Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. We've been discussing the subject of faith. subject is very dear to my heart. I praise God for leading me in the ways of truth by His Spirit. I thank Him for teaching me faith when I was first born again. I praise God that that was the first teaching I ever really got into was the teaching of faith. We've already discussed the fact that without faith you can't please God. We've discussed the fact that faith releases the power of God. The gospel did not profit the Old Testament uh, children of Israel. When they were to enter into Canaan's land and they were to live in Canaan's land under the provision that God had made for them, that they would live in a place flowing with milk and honey, Sickness and disease would be taken away from the midst of them. None would cast their young nor be buried in the land. Amen. That was the place that God had set aside for them. It, all they had to do was enter into that land. And that's why the conquest of Canaan's land is so important. And it's, in, it's important for us as believers to understand and know why they did not enter into the great promises of God. He did not deliver them from Egypt's bondage for nothing. So that they can walk in the wilderness and be destroyed in the wilderness and die in the wilderness. But he delivered them from the Egyptian bondage so that they can go into a place flowing with milk and honey. And he could be under them a garden and they could be under, uh, under him a people. And he can show his great mercy under them. Well, beloved, we don't have that covenant. We have a new covenant established upon better promises. And we have not been delivered just from the Egyptian bondage, but we have been delivered from Satan's bondage. We have been delivered from death and all that belongs to death in the kingdom of darkness and all that belongs to his kingdom. And we have been transferred and translated into the kingdom of the Son of his love. And this kingdom operates by faith. By faith. And by faith. It's, now, he said there in the book of Hebrews, Beware lest the promise of you being entered into that promised land where it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that God is your God forever. It's a land free from sickness and disease here on the earth. Amen. That's what he said. That's the promise he said. I want you to enter into the fullness of it. You take that land. You possess that land. You dwell in that land. But he says, beware that the promise left you. And if you would seem to come short of it through an evil heart of unbelief, not mixing faith with the word. Well, bless, bless God, that's why faith is so important. And let me I say this and, and emphasize and reemphasize this, that faith is not of the senses. Faith is not of the intellect. Faith is of the human spirit. Faith is of the heart. Faith is out of the heart. It's energized by the love of God. Here in the 11th chapter, verse 1, Now faith is. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want you to circle the word things. Things. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Moffat's translation of the same scripture reads, 
Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. We are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. We discuss the fact that there are different kinds of faith. There is natural human faith and there is what we call revelation faith. Natural human faith is based upon the physical senses. Natural human faith is based upon the things that you can see and hear and feel. If it were not for the physical senses, the brain would lie dormant. There would be no intellect. One could not receive instruction into his mind, even though his mind may be sound and his brain may be fine and normal. But if that person is deprived of his five physical senses, that brain will not be educated. We call that education of the five physical senses, sense knowledge, we call it faith or natural faith. Faith in the things that you see. Now, if you'll go to uh, the book of John, the Gospel of St. John, this is where we touched a little bit. Jesus expounding here the very thing, natural human faith, in talking to Thomas to show you that it's in the Word, to show you that we need to understand it. After his resurrection, he appeared unto the disciples in the upper room, but Thomas was not with them. And the other disciples said to Thomas, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He is risen. He's raised up from the dead. And Thomas says, unless I see him with my own eyes and touch him and put my finger into the his, his, prints of his hands and of his side, I will not believe. He would not believe unless he has some kind of physical evidence. In verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. John 20, 24. Verse 25. John 20, 24 and 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, verse 25, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Except I see and except I feel, I will not believe. But you, you understand that Thomas believed in his death. You understand that Thomas believed in his burial. You understand that he saw him hanging there upon the cross. You understand he saw when the Roman soldiers came and took him away. You understand that he saw the imprint, go, the nails going to his hands. You understand he, they, he saw the thorn that was upon his crown of thorns was upon his head. You understand? He saw and heard the cries of the Master. He saw all these things. He had faith in the fact that Jesus was dead. And that was the extent of his faith. He's dead. He's gone. And when the disciples came with joy and were overflowing with the joy and said, We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Blessed be God. That would have been enough for me. That would have been enough for me. But no, Thomas was not. That way he was doubting. He was doubting. He believed in his death. He saw him die. Well, let's go on and read. After eight days again, the disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, or be not without faith. Be not without faith. Oh, that's the cry to the body of Christ. Be not without faith. We have the faith of God in us. Be not without faith. Don't be caught without using your faith. Be not without faith. Don't be faithless, but believing. 
And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. But here's the rebuke of Jesus. Jesus says unto him, Thomas, because you have seen, you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Believing in something that you do not see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what you don't see. It's the proof of what you don't see. It's the title deed of what you do not see. Not the things seen, but the things not seen. Faith deals with the things that are not seen. Faith is the ability to see the things that are not seen and believe in their existence and their reality. That's what faith really is. It's the ability to take the things that are unseen by the natural eye and believe in them and see them by the eye of the Spirit and know and believe in their existence and in the reality in your life and be so convinced and so convicted of the reality that I know that there are angels standing around us right now as sure as I know there's people sitting here in these, this, this church building on these pews. I know that. We talked about this last Sunday morning and last Sunday night I believe that there was a manifestation. And if you weren't here last Sunday night you missed it. We talked about them not being, you know, talk about them being here and not being able to see them. But bless God, I believe anybody had any kind of sensual or any kind of spiritual perception, you saw them Sunday night. No, they're here. And the more you talk about them, the more real they become. There are angels garrisoned around about this place as a company of soldiers right now, holding swords and, and chariots and of fire. You know what they're doing? They're warding off all the wickedness and all the evil that's around us. You know why they're doing it? Because we charge them to do so. That's right. He says, I give you my angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In my pathway is life and there is no death, bless God. And them angels are busily right out there right now doing it right now for us. No, there's no evil that can befall us and no plague come our dwelling. For he's, he's given his angels charge over us. I believe in the unseen. You remember over there when Elisha at Dothan and uh, Elijah rather and, and uh, his servant was there and they were all surrounded by uh, the host of the Assyrian army. They wanted to come and destroy them and kill them, take them captive. And the servant got upset and said, what are we going to do, Master? What are we going to do? Look at all the people that are out there. He was looking at the things that are seen. But blessed be God, the prophet of God didn't look at the things that are seen. He was looking at the things that are not seen. He said, listen, there's more out there that be with us than there that be with them. Lord, open thou his eyes. He wasn't talking about open up his natural eyes, open up the eyes of his spirit, that he may see that there are more on our side than there be with them. And the eyes of the servant were opened up, and he beheld and looked all the place that was around them. All the company of souls that were out there were surrounded by a host of angels in chariots of fire. And the power and the glory of God was surrounded them round about, and they were all delivered. Amen? So let's realize right now that the things that are not seen are real every day of your life and everywhere you go. They're there right now. They're here right now. They fill this place. The glory of God is in this place. The power of God is in this place. Saving power, healing power, delivering power. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. He's alive and living right now. And He's mightily living in this place. Amen? Well, praise God. Let's look at something else. This fellow here, he saw with the eye of the natural. He had no spiritual perception. He could not see beyond the senses. He could not see beyond the things he could feel and receive through sense knowledge. But over here in Romans, the fourth chapter, let's turn to the book of Romans, the fourth chapter, we find out of another kind of faith. Another kind of faith. 
Although Thomas's faith was based on physical evidence or of the things seen, there is another kind of faith called revelation faith, supernatural faith that is not based on things seen, but is based on the Word of God. Revelation faith is based on the Word of God, what God had said. And you ever notice the things that he said are things that do not pertain unto this world. Things that pertain unto the spirit world, the supernatural world. For he said in Hebrews 11:3, the things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. It was by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And these things that we see were not made of things that do appear. But the things that are not seen made the things that are seen. So faith is the ability to be able to see the things that are not seen in reality, in your own individual life. In the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he, he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according so that which was spoken, so shall I seed be. And being not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. He considered not what was seen, now being dead, see. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Although the physical evidences said to Abraham, you're a man of a hundred years old, you're not able to produce children. Although physical evidences said about Sarah being well beyond the age of bearing children, you're not able. He believed not in the things seen, but believed in the things not seen. He believed that God was able, by the word spoken, to change both of their bodies by his word, so that she not only would look young enough to marry a king, but bless God, she'd be able to bear children also. He was not weak in faith, but was strong in faith and gave glory to God and did not consider the physical evidences, but considered him that liveth forever and ever. Abraham was strong in faith. Look what it says here. And being fully persuaded, being fully persuaded, fully convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was able to perform that which he promised. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, Abraham was declared righteous before God because he believed God, not because of the works of the law. He believed as it was spoken. That sounds like the Apostle Paul. I believe God. I believe it shall be done unto me even as the Word of God says unto me. I know him in whom I believed. Even though the circumstances of life may look dim and dark, bless God, I know that God is more than able and willing to meet my every need, and he'll do it. Even though the three Hebrew children being ready to be cast into the burning fire furnace, the things that were seen looked far greater than the Almighty God. I mean, even the strongest soldiers that were there could not even stand the heat of that furnace. But blessed be God, they said, I know the God in whom I believe. Not, and remember Nebuchadnezzar said, Who is the God that's able to deliver you from the burning fire furnace? And they said, Our God is willing, and our God is well able, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. And if you throw us into the burning fire furnace, He will deliver us. 
They had the ability to see the things that were not seen, but bless God, because they did, the things that were not seen came into being. Inside that burning fire furnace was not only three men, but it was a fourth one. It was the angel of the Lord. And as far as Nebuchadnezzar was concerned, it looked like the Son of God and the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. They didn't fear the king. They didn't fear the furnace. They didn't fear the soldier. They didn't fear the fire. All they feared was the Almighty God and would not refute his almighty word. And so consequently, they believed in the things that were not seen. And the thing not seen appeared right there and it was seen in their midst. And there wasn't one hair singed on their head, and there wasn't even a smell of smoke when they came out, because they believe in the things not seen. Amen. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It's believing in the things that are not seen. Well, Abraham was strong in faith. He gave glory unto God. Now also, Revelation faith, as you see, is based on the fact that we don't look at the things that are seen. Remember over there in 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, where it said, Paul said, writing to the church at Corinth, while we look not at the things that are seen, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are subject to change, but the things that are not seen, they are eternal, they are forever. I want to bring to your attention a word here. Go back to uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and throughout this study, this word kept just jumping off the page to me. I did some teaching on this before. I told you to circle the word in Hebrews 11, chapter, verse 1. Everywhere I kept reading about faith, these, this word, things, keeps coming up. Things, 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 things. And I said, Father God, what's the significance of this word? Why do you keep pointing this out? It seemed like it was just jumping off the pages. You know what I'm saying? Like you got a magnifying glass and you stuck it over the word things. Let's look again at Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There are things that are not seen that you can look at. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So there are things that are seen and there are things that don't appear. You getting that? There are things that are seen and there are things that don't appear. But the things that are not seen made the things that do appear. I appear and you appear, but the things that are not seen created us and we do appear in this realm. But bless God, we have the ability... At, well, let's go to that scripture. 2 Corinthians 4.18 The things that are not seen were not made by things that are seen. But the things that are seen right now were made of the things which do not appear. So the things that we see around us, all the things that are around us, were not made out of the things that are in this realm. But they were made of the things that are in the other realm. Look at this verse here again, 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things that are seen. While we look not at the things that are seen. But at the things which are not seen. How do I look at the things that are not seen? How do I look at them? Remember over there in, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it said, Looking unto Jesus... 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher or the developer of our faith? How do I look unto somebody that does not appear? Looking at things that are not seen. For the things, look, look at this, for the things that are seen are temporal, or the things that you see are subject to change, but the things that are not seen, they're eternal. We need to understand how do I have the ability to look at the things that are not seen. There has to be a way that I look at these things that are not seen. Notice the things that are seen are subject to change only if you are looking at the things that are not seen. Faith is not foolishness and faith is not presumption. You have got to have the ability to look at the things that are not seen. You do it by faith. You do it by confession. I'll show that to you as we go along. But I want you to see some more scripture here about concerning this. Go back to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. You're going to find out how the Holy Ghost is going to give you that ability to look at the things that are not seen and bring those things that are in the unseen realm into this realm to change this realm so all the circumstances around us will be changed by our faith. They're subject to change. But they're only subject to change to those that are looking at the things that are not seen. Now, I'm not going to give you a tongue talker here, but these things have got to be explained and understood. Faith is a subject that has got to be understood from the heart, not from the intellect. Faith bypasses this old brain of ours and slips off down into the spirit of ours, which is also in the unseen world. You don't see my spirit. But do you know, we're told not to judge any man after the flesh. That's the thing that's seen. I see your flesh. But bless God, if I saw your spirit, if I judge you after your spirit, I judge you as perfect in Christ. That would stop any, any kind of backbiting, any kind of murmuring and complaining and talking about people. If you saw everybody after the spirit, not after the flesh. You see that? I see you covered by the blood. I see you walking in the spirit. I see you cleansed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Those are the things that are not seen, but they're in the Spirit, but they're real. And they do appear in the Spirit realm. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things that are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not that sounds like somebody who's flipped. Things which are not. I mean, you know, someone said Jesus was a great teacher. Someone says Jesus was a great prophet. The things that Jesus taught would not make him great in this realm. I'm the bread of heaven. I came down from heaven. Except the man eat my flesh and drink my blood. He has no life in him. What kind of great teaching is that? Sounds like somebody's either, you know... A matter of fact, a lunatic or somebody who's come from another world. This fellow came from another world. And he's not a lunatic. He's a son of the living God. And ultimate reality was found in his bosom. And he spoke it in words of life. So God has taken the things that are not seen to confound the wise. He's taken the weak things to produce strength. He's taken the things that are not to bring the not the things that are. All these things God's dealing with. That's what it said, that last part of that verse. 
He has taken the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Now, are you ready? Look at the second chapter, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love them. But, but, circle that but. Don't stop at verse 9. Circle that but. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things. That we might know the things. Not that they would be hid from us, but that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God, which things also we speak. Now we're speaking these things that don't exist. Boy, you get more fanatical every time you go on. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual discerneth, that word judgeth, means discerneth all things, yet he himself is discerned of no man. Put that word discerneth in there. He that is spiritual discerneth all things, but he himself is discerned of no man. Oh, I just often think about some of our adventures in faith. And how we use the things that are not seen to confound the things that are seen in the, in the wise. How we've spoken to even certain individuals like even doctors and, and said, uh, I shared with you when we took little BJ to the, to the doctor for, for the reason of getting a, his, va- his va- you know, with those shots for school, whatever they are. And, uh, and the doctor said, I can't give him the shot because he has an ear infection. And of course... I'm going to prescribe this medicine for him and etc., etc. You know, you take it and give it to him so often. I said, that's okay, doctor. That's all right. I won't need to have the medicine. Bless God. Those are the things that are seen. That's the wisdom of this world. I said, but bless God in Jesus' mighty name. I'm a believer. I believe in God. And I believe that as I pray for him, God will heal him. God will heal him. And he won't have any need of that medicine. And bless God. You talk about confounding confounding the wise. They couldn't believe it. Wouldn't accept it. Bring him back here in 10 days and we'll find out whether or not, you know, I, I want to see that child after 10 days because these things don't just go away. You need to have medicine. You need to have this. You need to have that. Well, bless God, we brought him back in 10 days and she said, whatever you did worked. It worked. It worked. I said, yeah, that's right. I knew it back then. I'd have told you that 10 days ago. The things I found out that are not seen are more powerful than the things that are seen. We saw the healing power of God. We know that it's tangible. We know that it's real. We know that God will not lie. We know that Jesus, we saw Jesus on the cross taking our sicknesses and taking our diseases and realizing we don't have to have those things in our life anymore. Those are the things that are seen, but bless God, the things that are not seen are far greater. Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin, sickness, and disease. Oh, get that into your spirit. It's getting ever deeper into my spirit every day that I live on this earth. The things that are not seen. Look at these things he's talking about. He's talking about things that are not seen and things that are seen throughout this first and second chapter. And he's talking about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Amen. Well, notice that when he got down to the end of this thing and talking about these things that are not seen and the things only the Holy Ghost teacheth, teacheth us. Remember over there in John 16, 13, when he said, I'll be at the spirit of truth that's coming when he has come. 
He will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatever shall he, he shall hear, that shall he speak and show you things to come. These are the things that was coming. The things that he revealed to our spirits. These are the things that were to come. It takes the ability of the Holy Ghost to show you the things I'm talking about. So that the things that are seen can be brought to naught in your life. And the things that are not seen shall be a reality in your life. That's called walking in the Spirit. But notice this chapter 3. I'm not going to take time to read it. But I will say this. Remember he said, He that is spiritual discerneth all things. The deep things of God. The things that are not seen. First verse. Let's just read that. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Wait a minute. Here's the church. In the first chapter it says they have all the gifts of the Spirit working in their church. It says that they come behind and lack in none of the gifts. They have knowledge. But they don't have the understanding of the wisdom of God in calling things which be not as though they were. And he says, ye are not spiritual. I can't even speak as to, unto you as unto spiritual. Only as babes in Christ. Because they're carnal. And they have need again to be taught the first principles of the oracles of God. Because they had no ability to see into the other world. To see the things that are not seen. But he that is spiritual discerneth all things. But these people, he said, I can't speak unto you. Oh, yes. There are bodies of Christ upon the earth. The body of Christ in throughout all the earth. Even full gospel people that are not spiritual. Just because you go to church and just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you're spiritual. The spiritual man discerns the deep things of God. The spiritual man has the ability to see into the unseen realm and call those things that are out there real in his own life. That's the person that's growing in a spiritual manhood. But this church here, I, he couldn't speak to them as spiritual, only as to carnal, even babes in Christ. The word carnal means this. I can only speak to you concerning the senses. Senses. You're carnal. You're led by the senses. Your faith stands in the wisdom of men, not in the wisdom of God. But if you back up there, he says, I came to you in fear and trembling. I came to you not in the wisdom that man's word teaches. But I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men or sense knowledge faith, but that your faith would stand in the power of the almighty God. How many of you will agree with me that the power of God filled this place? And when we worship this morning, the glory and the power of God is here. I guarantee you that that power that's in this place is all sufficient to meet every need of every individual. If you'll tap Second Peter 1.3. I couldn't get off of this. I just was reading it and I said, glory to God. That word things kept coming off the page and ministering to my heart. This is a scripture you should hold dear to your heart. According as His divine power had given unto us all things that pertain to Zoe. That word life there is the life and the nature of God. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. You and I are not trying to get these things. All these things have been given to us. They are in our innermost being. They are in our hidden man of the heart. They reside in us now. 
Now, the ability we have to have is to draw those things out of us. Let's look at some more things concerning this, concerning things. Go back to the book of Proverbs, the 8th chapter. Don't you recall that Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, Therefore I say unto you, What things, what things, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What, what, what things, what things you desire. Well, what's the thing, the thing that you desire? See, the things, the things that you desire. What things soever you desire, believe you receive them and you shall have them. That's a principle we've got to understand. But these things are real. These things are out there. But the things that you desire, believe you receive them and you shall have them. These things are the things of God. These are the things that the Spirit of God would unveil to us. Well, what is the thing that you desire? I desire to understand and know the depths of our redemption. I understand, I want to understand and desire to know these things that pertain to the love of the Almighty God. I desire to have the Spirit of God to unveil to me the wisdom of God. These things are hidden in Christ. They are in us now. That's my desire. Your desire should be so much concerning these things that the other things that you need to believe God for will be added to you in your life. Now, I want us just to ask God for the, to meet our needs and say, Father God, I desire to be healed. Father God, I desire to have this. I desire to have a car. I desire to have this. I desire that you meet my bills and pay my bills. Father God, I desire that the Spirit of God unveil to me the deep things of God. That is my desire. And now I believe that the Spirit of God has unveiled to me, yea, the deep things of God. I believe the Spirit of God has unveiled to me wisdom, for Jesus has been made unto me wisdom. And these are the things that are in me. I believe I see these things now. I receive these things now. I believe I receive them right now. And so I have them. These are the things that he's talking about. Look at over here in Proverbs, the 8th chapter. Verse 6. Here. Remember Jesus said, take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. And the opening of my lips shall speak right things. Excellent things. Right things. What are excellent things? What are right things? He called us out of darkness. He brought us into this glorious light. That we might show for the excellencies of all these things. Of his glory. Of his virtue. Your lips can speak right things. Your lips can speak of excellent things or princely things. Let's go on. For my mouth shall speak truth. That's excellent things, right things. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Verse 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing. There is no thing. Nothing means no thing. There is nothing forward or perverse in them, they are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that findeth knowledge. My mouth shall speak of excellent things. Those things that he's talking about are the things or the words that pertain unto the other realm. The opening of your lips shall be to speak right things, and then he tells you what it is in the next verse. My mouth shall utter truth. My mouth shall utter truth. Okay. Now we find out not only do those things exist out there in that realm, 
but those things are also in you because he said he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But now we have the ability by the Holy Ghost to bring forth these things up out of us by speaking them. My mouth shall utter truth. I shall speak of excellent things. The opening of my lips shall speak right things. Okay? Now they're out there. Now they're in you. And now they're coming out of you. Right things. These excellent things. These things that are not seen. We go one step further. You've got to see this. Matthew's Gospel, the 12th chapter. I'm going to tell you something, beloved. This thing hit me so hard, so strong. About the confession of your faith. About speaking God's word only. About keeping the word of God in your mouth. I mean day in and day out, night and day, eat, drink, sleep the word of God. Look at what he said here now. In light of what we've been talking about. Verse 33. No, verse 34. Matthew 12, 34. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Speak good things. Our emphasis is again on the word things. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh a good man, out of the good treasure of his of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure or deposits of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Good and evil, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, every idle word that men shall speak, they should give account thereof on the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Therefore the opening of my lips shall utter truth. I shall speak right things. I shall speak of excellent things. Now, in light of that, let's stop and think about this. The things that he's talking about that he has chosen to confound the wise are the things that pertain to Calvary, for Calvary is the wisdom of God. Right? Okay. Those things are unseen to us. It started when you received Christ as your Savior. You didn't see Him. You didn't put, like Thomas, touch Him or try to put your hand in his, the imprints of the nails. You didn't put your, thrust your hand to His side or attempt to or see it. You didn't see Him die and be crucified and raise it from the dead. You had no physical evidence. Those things you didn't see. But those things you heard about, and when you heard about those things being preached from the preacher, you believed those things. And because you believed those things, you received those things into your spirit. Those things are the deep things of God. Those things are the things that pertain to life and godliness. And those things that are inside you, you have the ability to speak of those things. And ever since you got saved, you kept telling people, I'm again, I have the life and the nature of God in me. You started to speak on those things. Those are excellent things. But the cross of Jesus Christ does not stop at just with salvation for the human spirit or being born again. It does not stop there. There's more things that pertain to the cross of Jesus Christ, I think, that we've not even seen yet. I'm talking about spiritually. I believe that that cross of Jesus Christ was so powerful, so omnipotent, that it was all the creative ability and power of the Almighty God that raised Jesus from the dead. I believe it was the faith of the operation of God which was the greatest working of His mighty power. You imagine this all-powerful one. You imagine this, the power that He has to create a universe and put a sun and the moon and the stars and all these things out there to create life in this world and, and to, to create just the way this earth functions. 
the atmosphere, the tides, gravity, and the laws that pertain to it. All these things were created by God. All these things were created by this omnipotent one. But raising up Jesus from the dead was the greatest act and the greatest working of the power of the Almighty One. It was the greatest power ever known and displayed to humanity. And I believe it took all the creative power of God to take him out of death. To take him from the, out of the throes of death and bring him back into life. You talk about calling things to be not as though they were. You talk about making things out of nothing. There is no light in, de- in darkness. I said there is no light in darkness. He had to take something that was in darkness and bring light out of it. God commanded light to shine out of darkness. And the only way he can do it is if somebody who was light would enter into darkness, which was Jesus Christ. And when when the Father called Jesus out of death, it was the greatest working of his almighty power. It's called the exceeding greatness of his power. And it's to usward who believe. It's to usward who believe that mighty power. It's in you now. If you're born again, you've got creative ability in you right now. It's in you now if you're born again. Not only only are we to have these things and speak these things, but let's go a step further. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. Four, six. Be careful for nothing, no thing. There's nothing on this earth that has to produce a care in your life. Nothing. Be careful for no thing that appears. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things... Let's stop there. Let's go to the end of that verse. If there be any praise, think on these things. Now let's go back up there. What things? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure or true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Think on these things. Think on these things. Receive these things into your spirit, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Speak these things with your mouth. Speak of excellent things. Think on these things. All the things we're talking about are the things that are not seen. All these things he's referring to are things of the other world. All these things he's referring to are the things that pertain to the cross of Calvary. All these things we can think on and should think on, all these things, people think in and day day out, day in and day out, on the things of destruction. They're always worrying and complaining and thinking about how we can't make it, how we don't have enough money. What are we going to do with sickness and disease? And their minds are filled with thinking on things that are negative, thinking on things that are in this realm thinking on how they're going to meet the bills, thinking on what they're going to do for this and what they're going to do for that. Their, their minds are saturated with thinking on these things. If anything, I believe the Bible told us to think on... He deals with the mind in a great depth. In great depth. 
think on these things that are pure, lovely, true, honest, good report. Think on these things. Think on. In other words, get your mind so on Him that will keep Him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on Him? Get your mind so on Him that all you do is think, eat, drink, sleep, talk about the things that pertain to the life above. The things. Don't set your affection on the things of the earth. Set your affections on the things that are above. Two sets of things. Things that appear and things that don't appear. Well, he didn't stop there either. I want to show you something about these things. Cause is the first chapter. Like I said, I just couldn't stop. When I started reading about these things, I just couldn't stop. I said, bless God. Verse 16. You, you remember in the previous verses he talks about that we have been made uh, a partaker of this inheritance of the saints in light. That we have our redemption through his blood, the remission of our sins. We are new creation people. Verse 15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, you ready for this? For by him were all things created. All things. Whether they appear or whether they don't appear, all things were made by, made by him. And that are in the earth, visible, that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, underline that, emphasize that, all things were created by him and for him. All things that are in heaven, that are in earth, whether they be visible, whether they be invisible, all these things were created by him and for him. Next verse. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In other words, before his death, burial, and resurrection, the thing that Adam did in the beginning caused the things that he created to be turned over to an adversary who had the power of death and those things that pertain to death. But he came from above to the earth as a man died, paid the sacrifice, paid the price, and was raised up from the dead, he that created all things, for the purpose that he again will have the preeminence in all things, whether they be in heaven, in earth, or under the earth, it doesn't matter what they are, Jesus Christ right now has the preeminence over all things. Now our scripture reference is this. Wherefore God had highly exalted him and had given unto him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings in earth, of things and beings under the earth, and every knee, every tongue shall confess, and every, every knee shall bow to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and has the preeminence over all things. All things are subject to Him. The only thing that's not subject to Him 
is your personal will. I said the only thing left to be put under subjection to him is your will, your own personal will. Now look what it says here. Here's what he did. Clause, let's finish it. For it pleased the Father, verse 19, that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, and you that were sometimes alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now they reconciled in the body of his flesh to the death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if. Notice the word if. All other things are under his feet. All other things he has the eminence over. And he is able to present you holy and blameless, unspotted before the Father God and before his throne if you submit to it. If. You choose to allow him to do that for you. All these things that he has done for us were the only creature or creation that has a will to submit to the Father through Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to let all these other things dominate your life, if you want to let worry, fear, confusion, doubt, unbelief, sickness, disease, sorrow, if you want to let all these things have the preeminence in your life, you may. But on the other hand, you can allow Jesus to have the preeminence over your life by submitting your will to him. How do I do that? By obeying his word, by thinking on these things, by speaking of these things, by allowing these things. Well, let's look at the third chapter here. You're in Colossians 2. Go to third. Or one, rather. Go to the third. If ye, verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ. How many of you are risen with Christ? If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things. Seek and ye shall find. Seek and ye shall find. He's talking about seeking those things. Now he tells you what to seek. The things that are above. The things where Christ sitteth at the right hand on the right hand of God. Set your affection or your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Seek those things Set your affection on those things. Until we become obedient to doing what he's saying here, those things that are out there will be very indistinct to us. But when you're ready to set your thinking on those things, your mind on those things, when you're ready to start seeking those things as silver and gold, when you're ready to start to speak those excellent things out of your mouth and princely things and the opening of your lips shall utter only truth, those things right there, then those things that are of the spirit realm are going to become so distinct to you, they'll be more real to you than the things that are around you. And the glory of them will be so real in your life, you'll laugh at the things of this world. You'll laugh when fear cometh. You'll laugh when destruction and doom and sickness and disease come your way. You'll laugh at those things. When poverty comes to your door, you'll laugh in its face because there is no lack to them that serve the living God. There is no lack when God is your Father and Jesus the shepherd of your life. These are the things that must become real in your life. You'll laugh at demons and evil spirits and you'll rejoice with the angels. You'll get off, off being conscious and aware of all these things that pertain to his kingdom. Darkness and fear and worry and frustration and unbelief. All these things will be set aside and the things of God, the angels that surround you. You'll be so aware and conscious of, the, of their ever presence. The Holy Ghost that's right by your side. Yes, he unveils to me the deep things of God. 
those things will be real to you in your life. Those are the things that will become reality in your life. If you'll seek those things. Now, here's how you do it. I said all that to get to this. Philemon 1.6. If you don't know it, you should know it. This is it. This is it. Philemon 1.6. I'll close it right here. I don't see any reason going any further. Philemon 1.6. That the communication of my faith, that the communication of your faith, that this is the reason why people's faith is not effectual. That the communication of my faith may become effectual. I don't just want to have faith in my backyard. I don't just want to have faith lie dormant inside my human spirit. I want to have faith that is active. I want to have faith that is mountain moving. I want to have faith that creates things around me and causes things that are to, to, to be destroyed that are opposing God's will in my life. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by your acknowledging every good thing. By your acknowledging every good thing that is in you now in Christ Jesus by your acknowledging every good thing in all your ways acknowledge him in everything that you do acknowledge him people are acknowledging the things that pertain to this realm people actually Talk about their sickness. And I'm not putting anybody down. Please hear me. I am so moved by the compassion of the Father right now to get to you. You're healing so bad, I could taste it. The more you acknowledge your aches and pains, the more you acknowledge how bad your head hurts, the more you acknowledge how uh, disturbed you are, the more you acknowledge Satan's supremacy over your life, the more you say, you talk about it and rave about, oh, I've got worse sickness than you've got. No, and the other one says, but I had this and that, and they got more than the other one. And before you know it, they have a big pity party. Listen to me. I'm not saying that, as I said, to be offensive. I'm saying that it's time the church of the living God recognize that Jesus is highly exalted. He is raised up from the dead and everything is under his feet. He has the preeminence of all things and I now give him preeminence in my life. I acknowledge every good thing which is in me, health and healing and power and love and joy and peace and sickness and disease I don't acknowledge in my life. I don't have any of it. I don't want to taste it any longer. But I enjoy the glory of God that's inside of me. This is the exalted Christ. This is the one that's been lifted up. This is the one that's reigning in the earth to those that have yielded their wills to acknowledge every good thing which is in them in Christ. I acknowledge it. You say, what do you do when fear comes? I acknowledge that God's not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What do you do when sickness or disease comes? I acknowledge that Jesus himself took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses and with his stripes I was healed. Glory to God. That's what I acknowledge. How often do you do it? How often can you speak? I do it all the day long and I'm getting I'm better. Not worse, better. I am getting so better at it. I'm getting so much, much better, 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 better. I'm getting better, better. Not just good, I'm getting better. Amen. That's right. You just hang around for a while. I acknowledge every good thing which is in me. 
I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and going out in the city and the field. And the glory of the Lord is in me. I acknowledge every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. I am recreated, being that old things are passed away. I am created into his glory, image, and likeness. I have the fruit of his spirit. I am his workmanship. I am complete in Christ. I am holy, spotless, and blameless before, faultless before the presence of his glory. I am the healed of the Lord. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am set free. I acknowledge he is the strength of my life. You see what I'm saying? How often do you do that? You better start doing it every day. And you better start doing it every time you can think about it. And you better start practicing it when you go to the store. And you better start practicing it all the days. You say, why do you want to do it so much? You've got to do it and 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 be so diligent until it comes out to your ears. Because one day, just as that caterpillar through the process of metamorphosis has turned into that butterfly, you will sprout your wings and you will walk in this earth as the Holy One of God, standing just as holy as Jesus. He said, Be ye therefore holy as I am holy. No, these things are not off in the by and by. They're not way off in some place of being unattainable in our life. I believe, you want to acknowledge something? You want to start right now by acknowledging something in your life right now? Romans 6, 6. I acknowledge that this old man was crucified with Christ. I acknowledge that this body of sin is destroyed. I acknowledge that I no longer have to serve sin. I acknowledge I can walk holy before the Almighty God. I acknowledge that I yield the members of my body under righteousness and not under sin. And the, my, my lips, that means the members of my body, that means my tongue shall utter truth and write things and princely things and not speak of evil things. Oh, beloved, you start to hear and see these things. We're talking about faith, I guess, yet. You start to hear and see these things in the Spirit, you'll be walking as the Master. You'll walk as the Master walked. Start acknowledging you, He is your wisdom. He's in me. He is my wisdom. He is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my redemption. I'm the Redeemer of the Lord, and I say so. Start saying it now. And saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering, and you will receive the promise. Well, I wish I, I wish I had about six weeks right now to just keep on talking about this subject. I keep saying it to you because it's true. You can never talk enough about this subject. Let's all stand to our feet because I'm not done. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.